You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions. What up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to this episode of 21 Questions. I'm DJ Kissel, hanging out with Maddie Lane. And we are, again, answering your questions. And just so you know, uh, we have not looked at these questions ahead of time, neither Matt or myself. So we are just going to get some raw answers right off the bat. But we appreciate you hanging out and spending part of your day with us, whether you're watching on YouTube or you listen to the podcast audio. Please like and subscribe on YouTube and uh, follow us and tell your friends about us on the audio side of things. Maddie, all right, you ready to get into this? Yeah, let's rip it. Uh, this is my favorite way to do these questions. I, I love not having any actual answers to any of this stuff. I just tried to fire it off the hip. Um, so we'll just, we're going to rip through them. Our first one actually is let off by Craig himself. Uh, Craig Stout, the Renaissance man. Over or under the room temperature at the Shrine game for the KCS interviews at 62 and a half degrees. No, I don't. And this is like an inside joke for everybody else, obviously, because like it, we've yeah. been in Las Vegas for the Shrine game recently. And every time we do the interviews, the room is freezing. You can't adjust the thermostat no matter what you do. It's frozen. Yeah. It's different location this year. We we are no longer going to be in Las Vegas. So I don't know. I have to go with over just based on a new location, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go with the over. And I, I hate that I immediately was trying to get the one play that I've been debating with everybody on social media about the Jack Jones interception and we immediately go to Shrine Bowl. And as soon as you bring it up, the first thing I think about is one of my favorite interviews and favorite dudes that we talked to in the last three years there was Jack Jones and how much fun that dude was to cover and watch. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with over just because uh, I'm going to chalk that up to Vegas, uh, exactly where we were. And yeah, the, the settings are going to be a little different for the interviews this year. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Um, Jack Jones was great there too. Um, yeah. This is from talking all kinds Nuja. of trash. It says something about a player when they get into that environment and they're talking trash to dudes <laughs> like that they don't know with teammates they don't know. Um, stood out. Him and Chase Lucas, both both those guys were talking yeah. trash. The Arizona State guys. Listen, you know, if you have no fear of what might happen if you rob a Panda Express, I guess you're not afraid to trash talk on a football field. Um, <laughs> Nuja. I know, that DJ, apparently you touched on this on 10 things, but on rewatching the game, do we think that Mahomes really deserved his abysmal PFF grade? Um, you can expand on kind of like, you know, since it was touched on you for me a little bit, this definitely wasn't a good Patrick Mahomes game by any stretch. I, I have a hard time putting it as as low as PFF had it just because so many of his bad plays come from trying to save an already busted play and already yeah. bad situation. So I have a hard time going as low as they did, but I definitely would not say it was a good game by Patrick Mahomes standards by any stretch. Yeah, he was pressured on 39% of his dropbacks and he scrambled for more yards in that game against the Raiders than he did against the Super Bowl against the Bucks. And so those two things combined, obviously they're correlated, but those you take those two things and then you get later into third and fourth quarter if he's not staying within the script of the play or he gets to the top of his drop and he's just thinking exactly which way am I going to scramble out of here to buy three more seconds to either run or just do backyard football and make a play. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to always understand or agree with PFF's grades. I don't think it was a great game from him, but that was statistically speaking and per their grades, the worst game of Patrick Mahomes' career. And that's a lot to put on a guy that I don't think made 
that unless the fumble and the interception, which we could talk about that interception we were talking about before we recorded this uh, for 45 minutes about that one play and how many different things went wrong. Um, and I think we both disagreed. It was a phenomenal play from Jack Jones. Uh, there's other things that could have been better. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not on the, that's not the worst game I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes play. And that's how it graded. Uh, but at the same time, you're getting pressured that much. I, I'm surprised he didn't try to force more things, uh, trying to make a play. Yeah. And, and beyond the pressure, like we don't know what all the play calls are obviously sitting here, but like I seen enough football to know when things don't look right. I can't tell you yeah. what's supposed to be right, but I've seen enough football to say stuff doesn't look right. A lot of stuff doesn't look right for the Chiefs wide receiver room. So Mahomes drops back. He knows what's supposed to be there. And if it's not there, yeah. he has to hold the ball or he has to do something different than what the play is asking. And we don't know that. PFF doesn't know that. So it's just hard for me to see how sloppy everything looks and be like, oh, that was one of the worst games I've ever seen Mahomes play or almost any quarterback this year play. That's just a little too bold for me. So like, I can't go as far as they did with it. I don't think he was just missing every other throw. I don't think that he was turning down wide open guys, getting running himself into pressure. Like He didn't play great, but he was far from the Chiefs' biggest issue offensively in that game. So it's just hard for me to get that low. Um, yeah, I agree. Bones Jackson. Oh, yeah. So if you have any more on that, are you good? No, I just, it, it's so much of the NFL, and, and you know this, and I think most people that are listening and that follow us understand that at the NFL level, you can't wait till a guy's open to throw the football. And I think we all can agree on that. You got to throw it before they get there and before they get open. And when you're not 100% sure that guy's going to break it at the right distance or break it and come back to the ball or break it clean, all those different things, or turn to the inside, how much are you going to move away from the leverage? Um, sitting in zones, like all those little nuances happen in a split second and they have to be anticipated. And, you know, it, I can't imagine how frustrating as it is for Patrick Mahomes and not to say that he's above criticism with this, but we've seen him do it at a level, unlike any other quarterback to this point in his career. And all of a sudden it looks horrible and everybody's blaming him. And we know that early on, there's been so many issues with the receivers. And so there's blame to go around. That was my whole thing yesterday. We talked about it on the post-game show. It is blame everybody. Like everybody deserves a piece of this, including Mahomes. But if you're cutting the pie of how much blame he gets, it's going to be significantly smaller than a very loud minority of people on social media right now, in my opinion. Yeah, nope. fully agree with that. Um, Nuja also had another question, so we'll just fit in here. Do either of you play fantasy football? If so, how did your teams do I don't play fantasy football. I had to retire after my mom beat me back to back years um, in fantasy football. That I, I self imposed that ban on myself. The issue I run into with with fantasy football, and this is like me excusing poor performances, right? But I I look at a player, I'm like, oh, he does this really well, and it's the most minute, minor, detailed thing that helps a football team, but it's terrible yeah. for fantasy football. And I have <laughs> such a hard time separating that from fantasy football that I just had to stop because I was just so bad the last couple of years. Yeah, I play fantasy football. I This is the first year. I had done like two leagues for the last like three or four years. And then one league I've been in for almost 20 years now with buddies. And I just did the one league because I got really tired of like rooting for guys in one league and against guys in another league. I just wanted my dudes that I knew uh, that were on my team. And so I do some like mock drafts at the beginning of the year. So I'm technically in like ESPN free leagues. That's literally me practicing, getting ready for my real draft in the league that I've been in for a long time. Um but yeah, I, I lost in the playoffs last week 
uh, in that league. I drafted Patrick Mahomes. We have an auction draft. I spent most of my money on him this year. Uh, and Marquez Valdez Scanling coming into this year. I thought he was going to be a dude. I thought he was going to get some targets. So I drafted him uh, and made some changes. I had a pretty decent team, scored a lot of points, but I ran into uh, one of those receivers went off uh, against me. So ended up losing the playoffs, but yeah. It's Do fun. you guys have any fun punishments for who finishes on last? No, uh, we need to get into that because I've seen some really good ones that I would copy for <laughs> sure in our yeah. league. But everybody in our league is pretty spread out. And the problem is a lot of them are Chiefs fans. So there's not a lot of like discounts. And like years ago when we first started the league and I was paying attention before everybody else did, like I think I won the league like three or four times. Uh, but now everybody's kind of caught up. There's so much information out there and like <laughs> different things you could do. So everybody else has gotten uh, pretty good. At. We start two quarterbacks in our league. So it's a little unique. Uh, it's a 12 team league. So uh, there's not a starting quarterback or a top backup that is available in the waiver wire. So it's a, it's a unique league. Um, but uh, Jake Browning was my oh, backup with all the injuries. So yeah, it uh, nobody cares about a fantasy team, but yeah. No, no, I they, they do. That's the questions for, uh, Bones Jackson, how much would you be willing to trade to go get Marvin Harrison Jr. in the NFL draft? His limit is three first-round picks. Man, the Julio Jones trade for the Falcons clearly didn't, I guess, go quite as well as they wanted to, but it's also hard to call it a failure because he was a backbone of their team for a long time. He played a huge role in getting them to the Super Bowl, and like that's really the only the only team that's traded up that much capital for a wide receiver that I can think of off the top of my head. I know the Saints traded a lot for Ricky Williams, which I everything think that one probably worked out either. <laughs> so like it doesn't have it doesn't work very well, as I guess what I'm trying to say. That said, I would I would definitely trade two first for Marvin Harrison Jr. and RB three. I would have to have a real conversation because now you're getting three years down the line. You're getting over halfway through his rookie contract that you're still paying the price for trading up for him. That's where it gets dicey to me unless you have an ability to recoup a first-round draft pick somewhere. And I don't know if I see somebody that's primed to do that for the Chiefs right now. So I think two ones would probably be my limit and that would not get you anywhere close enough to draft him. Yeah, there's not a lot, a lot I wouldn't trade for him without mortgaging the entire future <laughs> of the Chiefs to, to get one player who is one tweak knee or you know injury away from completely setting you back. Uh, but that being said, like, you know, it leads to another question. I'm supr- dropping this one on you, but what do you think is the most, I don't say realistic, but like, what do you think they could feasibly do in tr- tag, like just trading for a guy, signing a guy in free agency or trading up in the draft to get the most elite wide receiver you can that's feasible this off season? Like what wide receivers could be gotten in a trade? I always have in this going back to, you know, I started covering the chiefs. I've always kind of shied away from the giving up draft picks and a huge contract. Like that's a double whammy that is really difficult to do and rarely works out when you're talking about multiple first round picks, (laughs) excuse me. So who, I know you guys have been talking about this a while. Like who is realistically a type of receiver? Saw stuff about go get Justin Jefferson. I'm like, why would the Vikings trade Justin Jefferson? My thing was, and I don't know how the contract side of it would work out, but like Cooper Cup for me was like, I can connect dots that does he stay with the Rams? They've got a couple young receivers who are really good. He's expensive. Is he going to be a part of this resurgence for them? They've got a good young running back. Could they trade him now or they could get something for him? 
maybe the best receiver available via trade? Or is there somebody else I'm missing? Um, so it's tricky. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is coming up on his fifth year option and the 49ers, if I'm not mistaken, are like way over the cap right now. And I, I don't know how much flexibility they have. If I'm a 49ers fan, if I'm covering the NFL, I, I don't see there's any way that they let him go. But if they can't financially do it and they think their offense will run just fine with Debo Samuel and George Kittle being the one to and not Brandon Ayuk, he is probably the one guy that could realistically be available that I would say, oh, you can give up draft capital and pay a big money contract to him because he just seems to be getting better and better. Yeah. But outside that, I'm with you, especially a wide receiver. I don't know about trading huge draft value and then paying a guy. So then you're looking at the free agents. Mike Evans is probably going to get paid a lot and he's older. It's so like that doesn't seem like a Chiefs move. But at the same time, I'm watching these Chiefs wide receivers not like play wide receiver very well. So maybe this is a reason to branch out. Uh, Mark uh, Hollywood Brown is a free agent, not near as good, but maybe not super expensive. You might be looking at like a Christian Kirk level deal for a guy that's kind of a Christian Kirk level player. And he gives you that speed and that vertical threat that Chiefs are lacking. So like, I think that's a guy that I have my eye on in free agency as far as, and then trading up in the draft is like a final piece. I think about pick 15 right now, I think the Chiefs are slated to be picking 25th. Obviously the playoffs change this a ton. But like if you can get up the pick 15, maybe you could catch a Roma Dunze, a wide receiver from Washington mm-hmm. who falls a little bit, or Malik Neighbors. I don't think either should be available then, but if they are and you are picking in a spot where it's only going to take you a first and a second or you know a first and a third and something else to get up there, it seems yeah. more realistic about being able to do. So <laughs> that's kind of where those are like the best case scenarios, like the best players I think you could get would be a trade up the 15-ish or a Hollywood Brown. Maybe the Chiefs do empty the bag for for Mike Evans. I, it would be surprising, but like it's possible. I think Hollywood Brown seems a little more likely, though. Yeah, all those names make sense. The only one that gets thrown a lot is T. Higgins, um, who had has had a horrible season, but over the last couple of weeks has really stepped up uh, and made some plays. But that's a an interesting fit um, just for what the Chiefs are looking for. Yeah. <laughs> He's a tricky one for me about that. just because like, I think he's really good. I just don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't think Andy Reid wants to use a receiver like that. And we have not yeah. seen Patrick Mahomes really weaponize a receiver of that way either. Like, I don't know if that's, you know, a chicken or egg thing with quarterback head coach, but like, it's just not a type of guy that this current unit of the Chiefs have ever used. So like, that's why I like Cooper Cup. 20... <clears throat> yeah. That's why I like sense. Cooper Cup because you listen to Cooper Cup talk about football and reading defenses and how he sets guys up. It's like, just put that guy on this team right now. I don't care what it takes. Uh, but his contract, yeah. I don't know how that would work. Uh, especially, I don't well, I don't want to bring up the next topic because it may be a question that comes up here. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Okay, this is from Derek in the Mountains. Um, besides the KC Foundation, what's one thing that you were most proud of at KCSN? Do you have one? Do you have one locked and loaded for this? I know it's a deep question. We got to think about not being prepared. Um, man, you go. I you <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No, no, you're good. This is, I mean, like, this thing. So there, we've done so much good stuff at, at KCSN. So many things that can list off of this. For me, though, it's just getting to do something with people that I care about, and then I call my good friends, and it's just stuff that we get to do together. And it's a it's a hobby, it's an interest that we all share. But then we get to sit here, you know, daily, nightly, and just and and get to do it. And we get to do it how we want to. We get to do it together. We all support each other. It's all been made possible by all you guys that listen and support us. It's just it's really is phenomenal to get to do something that you like to do so much with people that you actively care about and want to spend time talking to. 
and to get to do it the way we do. Like that's just been phenomenal. And that's kind of a byproduct, I guess, of you guys supporting us and you know yeah. sticking with us through all of it. But that is something like I just do really appreciate about it is just we started it from you know our, ourselves and from nothing, and now we kind of got to where we are to where we all have a lot of fun doing it. And I think that's just been a really cool journey to go on that I am glad you guys have stuck with us during the whole thing. Absolutely. It, I'm proud of a, a handful of things collectively. Being able to cut through the noise. Um, there are so many great places that you can get Chiefs content and great people out there have been doing this a long time that we all kind of, uh, you know, Craig and I met at Arrowhead Pride way back in the day. Like we came up with Matt Vertbrom and Patrick Allen and Seth Kaiser was there. Like there were a lot of us creating content about a really bad Chiefs team way back in the day. And you were there. At Chiefs in Carolina, like it was, it was a cool community back then. It's kind of changed uh, now. That social media has kind of taken over what blogs were 15 years ago to to date both all of us a little bit and how old I am. But you know, selfishly, we haven't talked a lot about this because so much of of what I was doing and have been doing over the last two years is kind of the behind the scenes, the business stuff that I'm not necessarily equipped to do really well. It's kind of figure out as we go, but. You know, I made a promise to you guys that I'd take care of you and make sure that you guys were um, getting <clears throat> fairly compensated for like the work that you were doing and stuff that I'm not going to talk in details about it, but <clears throat> everybody who's with us gets taken care of for the work that they do. And I've been doing this long enough as a freelancer, getting not paid for years uh, to do it. Didn't care because it was a hobby and it was fun uh, to getting paid just a tiny bit of money, talking less than minimum wage because for the time that I was putting in, I know this business, uh, at least from when I started to all the way up through obviously working for the team and then going back to the outside and kind of seeing this whole thing, being able to take care of people as freelancers or as a side thing for so many people with KCSN, being able to take care of them and get their time paid for, um, you know, consistently with the business side and the revenue streams that we have coming in and how it all works with the ads and all of that stuff. And to figure it out as we go, as we went and you guys trusted me to handle that part. I've been about as transparent as I possibly can over to a fault in a lot of situations about like, hey, here's what's going on uh, and stuff that people won't see and we don't really talk about. But um, I'm as proud of that as I am of anything else. And then we've got over 40 contractors that are working with us. Everybody's getting taken care of. And it's because they create phenomenal content. We have the best content in all those different places that we do things. And if you have the best content, the rest will figure itself out uh, if you understand the business and you remain fluid and flexible. So I don't know if that's the answer people are looking for, but I'm really proud of just our ability to figure out how to make a business out of doing something we love to do. And we're in a really good spot now and I uh, can't wait to see where it goes. So me too. All right. Uh, and we weren't ready for that. We had to dig a little bit for that one. So let's go a little bit lighter here from Mike Diddy. Yeah. How are the chickens and ducks are doing? Um, unless BJ's got yeah. some birds recently. I think this might just be for me here. Um, it's winter time. They're cold. Uh, my chickens are getting older, so I have way more chickens and eggs I get. That's that's a little frustrating, so it's about time to get some new ones. We got to get some new ones in and figure out how we're going to handle the spacing issue now because a lot of birds, not a lot of eggs. Um, so the chickens are fine. Like Everyone's doing good, just not a lot of eggs. And like now it's... I had to go buy store-bought eggs, PJ. I had to go to the store and buy eggs, and I have like 70 chickens. This is absurd. Wow. This is absurd. Inside joke, I think a lot. some people listening may know this, but I thought for like over a year that you were joking and being sarcastic when you said you lived on a farm. It's like, no, he doesn't. He lives in like Muscle Beach somewhere working out in his sleeveless shirts all the time. Like, no way that guy lives on a farm. And that 
then at one point, I remember it was a DM or a conversation we had. I'm like, are you guys, are you serious? You actually do live on a farm. Uh, we got two guinea yeah. pigs now. So my, my kids wanted guinea pigs. So okay. I got them and they're like, oh, we'll take care of them. And I'm cleaning the cage and I'm, I'm not the one doing all of it. But. One of our early Christmas presents, our son got a bearded dragon. So like we now have a bearded dragon inside. It's the same thing. Like, hey, kids, you guys are going to take care of this, right? Yeah. No, I clean the cage. I got to go get all the crickets out and feed. Like, and you know, I got to do it all. Um, but yeah, birds are doing good. I just got to get some new ones too because they're getting old now. Um, the ducks, the ducks are doing their duck thing. Some of them still cross the road a lot and that doesn't always end well. So that's, that's another issue. <laughs> all right. Football. AJ Pot 21. Instead of getting Mahomes in the shotgun 24-7, would it make more sense to have him try to get under center a bit more and throw timing routes? When the tackles are getting beat off the edge, maybe he can step up in the pocket a little easier. He knows the receivers aren't always open, but could just the quick, quick throw, quick timing passes like slants and stuff be an answer from under center? It's probably more of a question for you. I'll say I want to be in a position wherever where Patrick Mahomes can see the field for as long as possible. Um, and he does that sitting in shotgun. I think you could do more in the run game um, under center, but as much as they don't utilize the running game with Andy Reid, and they never yeah. have and never will, I'd rather Patrick Mahomes be able to see the whole field, especially not knowing exactly if these guys are going to be going where they're supposed to. He needs as much time to kind of see what's going on, so the, being in the shotgun for as much there, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, and it's quarterback dependent. Um, some quarterbacks do completely fine turning their back to the coverage and turning their head around and then trying to see stuff and throw it. And not that I think that Mahomes can't do that, but just some quarterbacks and the system they're in lend their way to work that very well. Look at Jared Goff and where he was at the Rams or the Lions. Like He has no qualms turning his back to the coverage, flipping his eyes back around, knowing where to go and when it's there. Now, you also see the weakness of that is when the coverage changes, he kind of gets very confused. Like So there's an up and downside to it. I think BJ nailed it, though. If you're not going to weaponize the run game, there's no reason to have a team that's going to throw the ball over 60% of the time run more plays out of under center because you yeah. are just going to take Mahomes' eyes off the coverage rotations, off his wide receivers, and he is now going to have to be flipping his head around, finding guys if they're attacking leverage right and they're in the right spot, as well as reading coverage, but doing so late. So like, I think, if anything, it's going to make them play slower and less on time. I do think the Chiefs earlier in the year tried to use play action out of under center to keep extra blockers in, create a bigger mm-hmm. pocket to push the ball downfield, and then we just saw them not connect on them. So it seems like it's gone away. To get more under center reps, I think you just have to have an offensive scheme overall. And I don't think you're ever going to get Andy Reid really no. dive enough into the run game to make it worth it because you have to freeze. You have to be able to freeze defenders from under center if you're going to throw the ball. And if no one respects your run game, you're just giving the defense all the advantages. And I don't think that's what we kind of want for this team, the way they're struggling right now. Yeah. I just want to run four verts on every play. Bring it back to 2018. Why not? This this is something we talked about on the lab. It's just like, I I have a hard time believing that like Patrick Mahomes' favorite offensive play is a wide receiver screen for all hitches. Like just knowing him, I know that's not his favorite play and I know Andy Reid's okay with it. I'm not saying it's his favorite play, but like Andy Reid's okay with that if it's going to work. It's just sometimes I would like to see it be the Patrick Mahomes' favorite hits and not the Andy Reid favorite hits just to see what would happen this year. So like- I like the dagger routes. I like those. Like those seem to work. Obviously he had the big play um, yesterday. Like I- Craig- Craig said like, oh yeah, it was a broken cover. Like, yeah, but that kind of play creates broken coverages. Like that's the whole point of yeah. it. Like, so like yeah. do more of that, please. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
Zach Cole coaches Colt leader. Um, Clark Hunt promises that he will get Andy Reid to change one thing regarding the team. What is it? Okay, so Clark Hunt is promising that Andy Reid has to change one thing. What is that one thing going to be in your mind? I don't know if this is your opinion or a wish list, so you can take it whichever way you want. Oof. So Clark Hunt tells Andy Reid he's got to do something. Change we get something. Change something, and we say what that is. Um, be 100% forthcoming about what the problems are during pressers and media so we can all get like the real answer what's going on well you want the world to burn <laughs> i think it would open people's eyes when he starts talking football in the in the language the way that they talk to each other that it would yeah. get a lot of people on social media that speak in such definitive terms to understand that it's a lot more complicated uh than it's made out to be um and and i've been in that boat before and i i don't know a lot about the x's and o's never pretended to but the more that I did learn when I was around it, the more I realized I didn't know what was going on, even when I had the answers to the test and I'm looking at the test. Uh, there's so much more to it that's going on. And that's not to say we can't figure out when a receiver doesn't come back to the ball and some of those types of things. But it would be nice in certain situations where Andy Reid's criticized for one thing or Patrick Mahomes is criticized for him to speak in football terms as to why something happened to give you the real answer. I think people would be like, I don't even understand what he just said. And I think that that would help in some ways. You know, it, like, so Bill Belichick does that every now and then when he gets annoyed, but then like he relates yeah. to like something from the forties and then gives you like a breakdown <laughs> of something from the forties. Right. But like, he gives you enough that you're like, oh, okay. Like he just told me that I don't know what I'm talking about without giving away anything. So like, yeah, it, it, some answers like that would be fun. Um, I, I'm gonna I go... enjoy. Oh yeah. Sorry. I was at Andy Reed, uh, does the, I, well, I know you watched the film as he starts to answer the question when he's annoyed, and it just <laughs> like the the media person just kind of shrinks in that moment, just be like, "Oh man, he's about to quiz me, and I'm gonna fail this test because I just I just read I just asked a question based on something I saw on Twitter." Like, ooh, yeah, that would not be fun to be in that seat. Um, okay, so my thing is hire somebody that has some kind of power. Like, this doesn't mean offensive coordinator. This can be some kind of pass game analyst. It can be the Brad Childress spread game, whatever. Hire somebody that has not coached under you before. Just get somebody that has some form of power that hasn't coached under you. And that's, I don't mean call plays. I don't mean run the offense. Just get somebody else in the building that has a few different ideas that when you say these teams are playing, you know, a soft quarter shell and they're driving on everything and they're, you know, leveraging everything inside out. And like, like, okay, Andy Reid says, here's my answer. And all the guys that have coached with them have roughly the same answer because that's what they know. One other person that says, well, here's my answer. It's different. And how do we combine all these things together? And I think that's where you start to get real offensive innovation. I think when you listen to the Athletics uh, Play Callers Club, or it was, the, it was the Ringers, I think, Play Callers Club over the summer when they did that with the Kyle Shanahan uh, coaching tree, like yeah. they all had different ideas. Yes, they coached together, but like they all had these different ideas they brought together. And like there was to the same goal, the same problem. They just approached it slightly differently. I think the Chiefs need more of that right now. And so like bring somebody in that just approaches things a little differently that you're going to listen to a little bit and get some ideas from, I think would be where I would go. I'm throwing out Josh McCown as a name. Yeah. Guy who's yeah. out there, young, might have different ideas, been around but connected to enough people that he would be vouched for and his work ethic and all those things that, that matter to coach Reed, um, as to how that works. But I'm not against you with, uh, bringing in guys with different ideas. I think Andy Reed does a good job of talking to the coaches and the people around him about letting them kind of have their, um, 
chance to speak and share their opinions on things. Uh, but I don't disagree yeah. that having people from outside completely different viewpoints uh, couldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Uh, but Maddie, let's take a quick break. Uh, and as soon as we come back, we'll answer more of your all's questions. We appreciate you all for hanging out. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure to follow us and subscribe for more Chiefs content wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at sandlotgoods.com. You can click the link in the description for more information. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to 21 Questions. BJ Kissel hanging out with Maddie Lane, answering your questions, those from our Discord. And you can get into our Discord by being a paid subscriber to the KCSN Substack. It's $30 a year for basically a newsletter every single day. The analysis, the work that Maddie, Craig, Kent, me, every couple of months um, at best. And then Joseph Hefner, analyst guy, put some really good information out uh, that you can follow along and, and provide more context. Uh, to what's going on. So that's how you get into the Discord, and that's how you get your questions answered here on 21 Questions. All right, Maddie, what's up next? Where are we going next? All right, what do we got here from Kate Gumminger? Christian, uh, is this defense good enough to drag the offense to the Super Bowl a la the 2015 Denver Broncos? Okay, I, I, get there's a couple, I think there's a couple sides to this. One, I think the defense is is very, very good. I don't know if they're that elite. Very specifically, I don't think they create turnovers at a high enough level to say that you were going to ride this defense in the year 2023 to a Super Bowl 
appearance in the same way the Denver Broncos were able to. The Denver Broncos that year, they were able to, they were top 10 in the NFL enforcing turnovers. This Chiefs defense this year, I, I don't know exactly where they are, but I don't feel like they can be that high this year just because they don't they don't seem to force a lot of turnovers. And I think that plays a big part. I am trying to pull it up as as I talk now too about it. And so I think that makes it difficult for the defense. Um, the Chiefs currently are 24th in forced turnovers. Yeah. Like that's just a it would, big gap. And the way that the offense is playing, they need some short fields. They need some easy points because they're not getting easy yards. Um, and that's kind of what the, the Jack Jones play. Like that should be an easy five to eight yards that's not easy because there is no threat uh, down the field beyond you know 20 yards. Patrick Mahomes' numbers, and, the, and I shouldn't say it's just on Patrick Mahomes, on the receivers, on everybody. The deep passing numbers are bad this year compared to all the other years. If you really want to boil down what the difference is, I think teams, and I, you made a great point on the postgame show the other night, and that you know teams playing the Chiefs for a second time have been dominant both times. And there are a handful of teams the Chiefs may face in the wild card round or in the divisional round that they've already faced this year. The Bills being one, the Jags being another, the Dolphins being another, that playing them for a second time, it hasn't been great so far. And uh, I just thought about this, and I'm just reacting to this because it was from the previous question, but about uh, bringing new guys in. Because I see this, I see his name brought up all the time. And why don't they bring Alex Smith back? Uh, I haven't talked to Alex Smith. I have no reason to say this other than Alex Smith could do anything he wants to in the world. He's a guy who graduated like with a perfect GPA in econ from Utah while he was <laughs> the number one pick in the draft. This guy's not going to come grind it out for 80 hours a week as a coach to be a quarterback's coach. That guy could be a senator. He could run some Fortune 500 company. He's not going to come back and be a football coach. Uh, I would be very surprised to see it. Not that he doesn't love football or all that. It's because that guy could do anything he wants to do. And that is a grinded out kind of life uh, for coaches who get into it. And I'm just not sure that that's what Alex wants to do right. He could be successful with anything he wants to do. So he's yeah, throwing that no, out there. That's fair. Mm -hmm. right, let's go with another former player. That, uh, let's bring uh, Deuce Staley in. He got fired. He can come back. Mm -hmm. and I he got most of his coaching experience under Doug Peterson, so it's still technically an Andy Reid tree, but he did spend a couple years there with Ben Johnson with, with the Lions. So, like, there is other outside experience. So, like, he's kind of already got a little bit of the melting pot. Like, And I think that's a potentially realistic one. He might need a little bit of a brand refresh after the disaster that was Carolina. Like, just there are names out there that I think would be awesome yeah. to come in, in just some kind of role to see what they have. I know he's been here before. I just, I know his personality, and I know, obviously, him... Not really well, but I was around him a little bit. And David Coley, and I was looking up last night on the post game show, like what is his offset language uh, with the Houston Texans? Because the Houston Texans signed him, I think two different places reported it, but at least a four year deal for twenty two million guaranteed that was in twenty twenty one. If he has offset money in his length, like offset language in his contract, he's gonna literally call himself millions of dollars by coaching anywhere, and so he may have another year that he just sits while he gets paid by the Texans. Uh, but if not, he's somebody that I would bring back because he is somebody that has no problem telling anybody, much like EB does. And let's be fair, these other coaches do too. Um, I I have conceded to maybe there's something, and we don't know. And this is why we're all kind of guessing. Maybe there's something to EB's just kind of demonstrative demeanor and him just not sugarcoat anything, getting after the guys. Maybe that personality is is needed or it could help a little bit. I don't think it's the difference between all of the issues that we're seeing on offense. I think it's a, a bunch of things coming together. Uh, but knowing David Cole, he's not coaching right now. 
Um, he's been a wide receiver coach and been a very good wide receivers coach with the Andy Reid for a long time. He demands excellence from his guys, and he's not doing anything right now. I don't know if he wants to coach anymore. He got paid by the Texans, only had to work a year. Uh, and again, the offset language is is a big piece of that, but he's another name that I'd keep an eye on because I don't think they're getting Greg Lewis back from Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, no, I, Cole would be a great one. Same thing. I, yes, he coached with the Chiefs before, so there's some familiarity with Andy Reid, but like a lot of coaching experience and a lot of different coaching staff. So you just bring in a lot to it and he went on to have success elsewhere. So like, yeah, it's just another guy I think you could put on the list. Um, and to wrap it back like, to the Broncos, like I, I think that's a that's the path, right? That's the pathway, I think, for the Chiefs to maybe yeah. get there. The defense would have to start creating turnovers and that just hasn't been the style of defense they are. The Broncos, I think, created their three playoff games, created like seven turnovers. They took the ball away seven times that year. The Chiefs are like barely at seven times on the year. So like, it's yeah. just, it, it seems like it's going to be a hard reach to get there, but that would be their best route. Another playoff question from uh, B. Higgs. Hey, real, oh, no. I'll say real quick, <clears throat> I, I brought this up during 10 things, but it stood out to me because it made me feel a little bit better. Chiefs played fly, five, play, as things stand today, they played five playoff teams this year. They've given up an average of 17 points per game to playoff teams so far this season, this defense. So, and if they, they were two and three in those five games. If the Chiefs would have scored 22 points in those five games, they'd be 5-0. and oh. And so, like, part of it, I said that Tucker got pissed when I said that because he's like, oh, my God, how are we not there? But for me, it made me feel a little bit better. Is like all they have to do is get to 22 points. How do you get to 22 points? And to your point, the way that they're playing against a playoff team like Cleveland, <laughs> their defense, they're going to need a turnover. They're going to need a short field unless they all of a sudden put together a game that we haven't seen a full game yet this season from this group they're going to need a short field a special teams play some big defensive moment uh, to get to that 22 points but I think the defense has given them they're good enough in big games if they can hold them under 20 points that they're not going to get blown out they're going to be there it's just going to be excruciating to watch Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid not have an offense that can function anything close to what we've seen yep and so, to be Higgs' question here, what is the best draw for the Chiefs to score those 22 points or to hold their opponent underneath, you know, whatever they can score? So like, who would be the best opponent for the Chiefs to play in the playoffs you feel the most confident about? I'm gonna, and for me, it's the Colts. It's the low-hanging fruit. Give me the last yeah. uh, the last seed in there. Like, give me the Gardner-Minshew-led Colts. I don't think that offense is going to accomplish a whole lot versus the Chiefs. And while their defense is playing really well, I think... Of some of, of these AFC teams, you know, go another stretch besides the Bills who present a different challenge. Mm-hmm. That's probably the worst defense that you're looking at going up there in the AFC playoffs. So like that would be easily, I think, the best matchup. And that I mean, they're sitting at the seventh seed right now, I think. So it'd be a little difficult to get there for the Chiefs, but possible. I would agree. Yeah, to them, the Texans, maybe. Um, yeah. But oh, CJ Stroud, though, that, that man scares me. I, if he comes back, I guess we don't know how the uh, health of yeah. the concussion's doing, but like at least they have their quarterback. Like the Colts, Gardner Minshew, like yeah, they could always jump up and bite you. I mean, the Jags, uh, they're not. It's not going to happen in the first round, most yeah. likely. But um, Trevor Lawrence is banged up. I just they've they've got some dudes on the defensive side. It's the one who's scary that I've start I start getting uncomfortable thinking about is Cleveland, um, just because now they've got some big play threat like Joe Flacco just chucking the ball around. Uh, and that defense, Miles Miles Garrett, just being an absolute man child. Um, mm, it's a Darius Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice yeah. player to have around. Two of them. If Coots <laughs> can dominate with all the attention to Max Crosby, like I don't. Yeah, oh, man, 
as a menace. Okay. Oh, non-football question. I like these from Positively Toasty. Favorite movie and or TV show from 2023? This is a question geared for you uh, because I don't watch much TV or movies. I kind of watch football. Um, yeah. So, like, it's a pickle for me. Um, I, In the summer, I kind of pick something and, like, watch it through the summer. I'm trying to remember what I watched this past year, but, like, I don't watch a lot of TV or a lot of movies that aren't kids' movies anymore. I've been watching in their first stretch and I, I, it's kind of the same where if I have time, like I had COVID right around uh, Thanksgiving. So like I had five days of quarantine away from my family. I just watched all kinds of World War II documentaries. Uh, I watched Band of Brothers and I watched the Pacific and then I watched the In Living, uh, like on the Netflix, like the World War II In Living Color, the Enhanced Color, uh, whatever it is. And then I watched Band of Brothers again and then the Pacific again. Uh, and so really went on a World War II kick there. Apparently that's what dudes do in their 40s. Um, at some point, everybody gets into World War II, and you're like, man, they really were the greatest generation. Like, I Next get it. year, you're like, going to be this... telling me that you read books about the Roman Empire at this time. Guaranteed. <laughs> Somebody asked me, like, when's the Roman Empire? I was like, I got nothing for them yet. I'm too busy just wishing I could talk to guys on D-Day that went in there and be like, man, we really do owe you everything. Uh, it opened my eyes and sound dumb saying that at 41, but the more you learn, you're like, holy cow, like that was everything. Um, but the other show that I'm into right now is uh season two reacher when watching that which is not a, a bad flick um but i'll watch just about anything at this point um because when i'm with my kids i just watch youtubers and i watch teenagers who make millions and millions of dollars making youtube videos and my son the whole time is being like this guy's got like 12 million followers he's a small one like how many followers do you have on your youtube channel like shut up carter <laughs> oh about it right now but it does not dominate it's just there. dominating us watch some 11 year old play minecraft with millions and millions of subscribers and then my daughter's like oh hey i want to create my own youtube channel and i'll get a million subscribers and have a bigger channel like thanks thank you also um, i'll say this about watching those channels though like now that we know like the video production side there's a lot of post-production video work going on those videos oh, yeah. you watch them it's like oh it's an 11 year old i'm like there's some editor somewhere that's getting paid a lot of this money to do this work because there's a lot of work that goes into those but yeah uh, yeah, since I watched so much of that with my kids, uh, it's been a lot of World War II documentaries that I've been yeah. watching. So if anybody's got any good ones, let me know. I'll watch those. <laughs> oh, oh, and I do got one. The one thing I have been watching recently, um, I, whatever the Godzilla like Monsters of Legacy thing is on, I think it's Apple TV. I, I started watching okay. that and like I get one episode every couple weeks, but it's been, it's been really good. Um, Godzilla movies like US Godzilla movies have been really bad. But like, you know, th this is a really good show. So like, I, I, I do enjoy that. So if you are mildly interested in like King Kong Godzilla type stuff, it's it's a good show on Apple TV. It's really well done. Um, I've enjoyed that a couple right. episodes in, but I'm just not a, not a TV I've never guy. watched any um, of those. I watched Pacific Rim and that's about as close to the Godzilla movies yeah. I've ever seen. And that <laughs> just got weird with the guy from It's Always Sunny. Like, it's just weird. It's a weird <laughs> show. All right, from Arrow, for Sidham Chance that they cheap Why people listen, Maddie. I agree. So, I, just a weird show. I don't know if we're talking about Pacific Rim, Always Sunny, or this 21 Questions now. So, Arrow, what percentage of chance do we do the Chiefs win against the Bengals? 90% because they still need a win to get to the playoffs, so I think they'll still care. But, like, I'm leaving 10% open, one for NFL reasons, but also... This team had Super Bowl aspirations. They've now lost two AFC West games, including to the Raiders in Arrowhead. While they had Super Bowl aspirations, they're now completely locked out of the one seed. Could yeah. I see a hangover type like, oh man, what's going on with this kind of game? Like with not the team, 
but some guys just having like I don't want to say effort concerns, that's not fair, but some guys just like wondering if this year is worth it at this exact moment in time. It's like I am leaving yeah. a relatively big window open there, I think. It'll never get promoted and I, I should know the answer and I don't, maybe Maddie, you know, um, but if they win next week and I, I know there's other things that can happen, but <clears throat> they win next week, they're locked into the three or four seat. Like they're not going anywhere else. Yes. I wonder if they can incentivize <clears throat> some of the guys, if they'll rest some of their starters for the week 17 game against the chargers because it really can't affect them that much more. And team, at least from what we saw the other day, they, there's a very good chance and I'm not having excuses that these guys could just be freaking tired too. A lot of these dudes played a lot of football last year. They're taking everyone's best shot. And yes, they got all the other stuff going on in their lives. Kelsey specifically, I know, being a big deal. I don't think that has anything to do with this. But if you incentivize, like, go win this game and we'll let you rest. Even for a few of them, I think that could be an incentive to get them over the edge to win a game that I really don't want to know how much pressure is going to be on these dudes if they lose and have to go into a week 17, week 18 game against the Chargers having to win to go to the playoffs. I'd rather they settle it now. And one way to do yeah. that would just be say, hey, if we're guaranteed the three or the four seed, and it's not going to change a whole lot. And it's going to depend on everybody else. Rest everybody in that last week. So go and get the win, unload the clip and everything this week. So if they win and the Dolphins win, then they are locked into the three seed. Um, Okay. This week, if they if they win, the Dolphins lose. They technically still have a shot at the two seed. So then things get But if the Dolphins win and the Chiefs win, the Chiefs own the tiebreaker versus the Jags. Um, so yeah, they would get yeah. to rest the final game if them and the Dolphins won. If who not, do the Dolphins have? They play the Ravens and the Bills. So the Dolphins very realistically no. can lose out. And the Dolphins, if they lose to the if they lose their next two and the Bills win their next two, I think the Bills win the division. And the Dolphins go to a wild card. So, like, there could yeah. be stuff to play for that final weekend. Like, they could be playing. <laughs> so, like, we'll have to keep an eye on that Dolphins-Ravens game this weekend. It is the Ravens, right? Yeah, it's the Ravens. So, that okay. game will be big. But if the Dolphins pull that one off and the Chiefs win, they're locked into the three seed. And I would not be surprised to see guys get rest then. Yeah. Um, from Jersey Chief, lay out your realistic offseason plan to fix the Chiefs and make them a Super Bowl favorite next year. Okay, um, whew, there's a lot here. I, I've i gotten past the point where I think a single wide receiver addition, whether it's a Mike Evans, who's probably the best wide receiver available in free agency, or a round one pick, even including Marvin Harrison Jr., fixes everything. I think it needs to be more than one guy. So I do think you need a veteran wide receiver. I think you need someone to come in and be a little reliable. It's like I would aim for a Kendrick Bourne, um, somebody like just a reliable veteran wide receiver that can come in and play wide receiver correctly. And then also take a round one wide receiver, somebody with real talent. Like you need to rebuild a wide receiver room, but I also think you need to go back to the drawing board with with a little bit of the scheme. You got to come up with a few new answers that aren't just throwing the ball shorter and shorter and shorter. And whether that is bringing in a McCown, a Deuce Staley, just somebody to add other answers. I do think they need a little bit of a overhaul on their outlook of the offense right now and I think that starts with getting multiple new receivers one has to be a veteran and then one can be a rookie you know that you spend a high capital on but I don't think just one guy fixes it and I don't know if just one rookie is enough they need someone that can come in and be relied on it's probably not a rookie for this team for me it's the coaching staff uh what they do I, I expect them to make moves uh and bring some people in we've seen that with Brett Feach um, correcting issues that are apparent um, to all of us. 
uh, at some point. So bring it, bringing in some more talent, bringing in some guys that Mahomes can count on uh, <clears throat> to be where they're supposed to be and to catch the ball when they're open. Um, but for me, it's the accountability on the coaching side and the lack of development from that group. We've never seen a position group struggle to develop over the course of an entire season as we have with this wide receivers group. And um, is it, and we talked about in the postgame show, is it Brett Veach's fault for not bringing in more talent? Is it the coaching staff's fault for not developing them? Is it the coaches staff for not game planning or putting them in positions to be successful? Or is it the player's fault for just not doing what's needed to execute the way that you need to, to be successful at the NFL level for a lot of guys, not to harp on this, but I've said it a billion times at the beginning of the season, you were asking everyone in that wide receiver when they kept seven guys to be better than they've ever been for the offense to function. And that didn't happen. And so whose fault? I think it's a little bit of everybody's fault. Uh, but I want to see, and I'm curious what they do on the coaching staff side of things um, to show some accountability for the lack of development, because they don't have to explain it to us. They don't have to tell us what's going on behind the scenes, but there is going to be accountability if a group of guys like we've seen in the wide receiver room not really get better over the course of the season from our viewpoint. No, that, I, I think that's that, long-term health. That's 100%. Like, I think the biggest thing is just something has to change there from to be different than what it has been. And so, fingers crossed. Um, Kyle C., if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? Uh, for me, it's New Zealand. I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. That's a long fight. It's expensive, but like, I get to, you know, get away from like internet, cell phones for a while. Uh, a lot of dangerous stuff there, which is scary, but like, I like being outdoors. I like to go hiking and do, you know, like, not real mountain climbing, but like hiking up mountains, up trails and stuff. So like, it's just always been a yeah. place that I've wanted to go. I think it'd be really cool. Um, just not going like the middle of whatever their summer is. Cause whew, not about that heat. I said for the longest time when I was younger, like high school, like Phuket, Thailand was like the one place I wanted to go. Cause it just looked absolutely unbelievable. Uh, with some of the pictures I've seen, but the older I've gotten, like I would want to go to Greece with Megan uh, and go to Santorini. Uh, it's just because it's so different and you see pictures of it, you know, when you're looking at a picture of Greece and it's just the history there. It's an area that, uh, I haven't been anywhere like that. Uh, you can go to a beach anywhere and sit on it and you can be in Mexico. You mean Cabo or Cancun or Florida or San Diego, like beach is a beach, uh, for the most part. But, uh, Greece is the one spot that, that we've talked about wanting to go. Um, we just, not going to take a vacation like that when our kids are at this age so we're going to be at doing the kid the kid vacations for the next several years and when they stop wanting to hang out with us when they get older then we'll go do one of those <laughs> so you find that senior that senior trip and you just get like the the european cruise or something i get to see everything i i think uh, my wife did that for her senior trip and i'm like oh wow like i went to like california <laughs> you've seen those like if you win the lotteries i the only way i could afford something like that but you see those trips of like a six month cruise and you go all around the world. And it was like, Man. I don't know why or how that would work with my life or anything, but it sounds cool to travel like in a different life, a different situation that yeah. I would absolutely do something, go see the world. Something like that. Like, and but I know you port and stuff now and they probably get you off and stay somewhere, but man, six months on a cruise ship also sounds bold. Like that's a long, like, I don't know how like the logistics work. I'm sure they have it figured out, but like, I, I'm good after like a, a seven day cruise. I'm like, I had enough of the boat. I've had enough of the yeah. boat. You know? <laughs> We're good. I've done a couple of cruises and like the four or five days are perfect. I did one seven yeah. day and by like the sixth day, I was like, give me off of this thing. Yeah. I need, yeah. I need food with like real sugar in it, like real taste. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, I'm sure that they're different. Um, let's see. Let's wrap up a couple more here. It, 
I haven't got to see much of my family for Christmas yet. That's all coming up here in the next couple of days for me. But have you? what is one thing you learned from a family member this holiday season that wasn't sports related? You have anything that jumps out to you? Uh, my son is really good at Madden, like legit good at Madden. Uh, he beat my okay. brother-in-law. He beat me in Madden. He's eight years old. Um, he got Madden 24. He plays Madden all the time. He plays the NFL gridiron game on his iPad. Uh, does that all the time. So I would say learned anything. My wife and I had a really interesting trip coming back. We went to Man- My wife's from Manhattan. Uh, and so we drove Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, so everybody around here listening probably knows that. Uh, we're talking about Manhattan, Kansas. But we went there and we were coming back Christmas Eve and her car wouldn't start. Uh, I don't know. It was something electrical, the alternator or something. She got a Tahoe and uh, wouldn't start. And there was a very real possibility there for about 45 minutes that we were going to be stranded in Manhattan with all of our Christmas stuff for every part of Christmas in Kansas City. And Walmart was closed. There was no way to make it up. And so I was having a very big like panic attack of this is going to affect Christmas on a much larger scale for parents that have kids that understand what I mean by that. Uh, it was pretty scary there for a minute, but we got the car started and jumped and had issues with the hot water heater and the sensor and the thermostat, not knowing if the car was going to overheat when I was driving back. So it was a very stressful trip, but we made it back uh, Christmas Eve about an hour later than we wanted, but ended up being a great Christmas. Um, but kids, our kids are eight and six. So they're kind of at that age of like, we're going to spoil them now while the yeah. you know magic is still there. And uh, it ended up being a great Christmas, but I learned that my son can beat everyone in our family in Madden now at just eight years old. Legitimately good. <laughs> it's it's crazy how that happens. Like it, like now, I would probably get torched by anybody I ever played in Madden, but like at, at same-ish age, and like I had Madden as a kid, and my dad's friends were over. I don't remember when, but like he had some friends over, and I'm playing him in Madden, and like I, I'm absolutely beating the heck out of him. They're like, these are adults, and they're like getting frustrated that they're losing to a kid in Madden. I'm like, yeah, and like now I'm, my son doesn't play mad yet. He's not quite ready. You know, he's four years old. But like when he gets there, I know he's going to beat me and beat me pretty quick. And it's just gonna be like, oh man, like I remember being, I remember those days. What it, little kids it's being way too yeah. good in video games, way too early. I played him tonight, like right before we recorded this, before I uh, read a book, spun in bed, like we were playing Madden and I was the chief and I threw two touchdowns to MVS. And he looks at me like, this isn't realistic. Like, he wouldn't catch those balls. <laughs> He's got you. I've so awesome to, that. to have those conversations. <laughs> the, like, now okay. we have reasoning and like it's an interest. It's a fun age because like things start to click and for the first time, and he says things. You're just like that was a, that was funny. Like that was actually funny. <laughs> I'm not. This is this isn't like a a, it's like a real laugh. Like <laughs> yeah, it's like a real conversation. <laughs> okay, last one here from Ziandera. Does Patrick Mahomes pull the I'm a 500 million dollar quarterback card this offseason and demand some? fresh ideas for the coaching room and we don't need to talk specifically about the coaching room i'm just gonna ask your opinion though like at what point or not what point like how much pull do we think patrick mahomes does have whether it's for coaching staff for players and do we think there is room for him to get more pull in the chiefs building than he currently already has i don't think patrick mahomes has such a little respect for the work that the personnel staff and Brett Veach and them do that they already have a relationship with texting. They were texting before they drafted him. Uh, and so like he's texting on draft night when they drafted McColl and all these other guys, like I know people roll their eyes about that, but like it shows the relationship that they have. And I think Patrick Mahomes already has a voice to say those things and to say that he's going to demand something. I mean, he's going to put himself above those guys in a way, in a personality that we've never seen from Patrick Mahomes. It's not the way he's wired. It's not the dynamic that those guys have. 
I think if anything, like that, all those conversations are going on now. And I would trust that Patrick Mahomes could speak openly and freely with that, with coach Reed and the coaching staff and the personnel staff, not to be disrespectful to others, but I have a feeling that they all know how each other feels <laughs> about certain things. And I would be very surprised again, if going into next year, we don't see an aggressive correction. Uh, I think it's how Kent's described it before uh, this offseason to get guys that they like. And, you know, we, Patrick Mahomes worked out with Rasheed Rice uh, down in Texas before the draft. And not to say that he wouldn't say something positive, not to pretend to know all the things that happened, but it was reported that he was down there working out. And so yeah. I think he already has that voice. And I don't think he's going to demand anything because I don't think that's the dynamic they have. Uh, and if it is like a demand, it's already a bad sign. Like you've already, it's already bigger issue than bringing in a new receiver. Yeah. If you feel like you have to use the word demand. Uh, when talking about that that's relationship. Fair. I think that's fair. I, I don't want to drag this on too long, but this is something that I mentioned on the Casey Laboratory and it's like adjacently related to this. So I just want to, you know, drop it by you real quick. I was thinking this morning, the greatest quarterbacks of all time, like, you know, you can make whatever, you know, list you want, but like generally speaking, like they're all going to have like a Brady and a Manning on there. And then like you start to cycle through different guys after that. But like something I came to like Marino, Brady, man, a lot of these guys that people put on their greatest of all time list had defensive minded or just like overseeing type head coaches. Very few greatest of all time quarterbacks have offensive masterminds as their head coach. Do you think that there's just like a chance that that you get to some butting of heads when you have two guys that talented at the top trying to work together to determine what's best for the team? Like what works best for Patrick Mahomes might not work what's best for Andy Reid. And like if you just look at greatest quarterbacks ever, it's kind of been teams that have let the quarterback be in charge of the offense. Do the Chiefs yeah. maybe have a power struggle there? Like, could you see anything there? This is like literally me throwing a random theory out at like 8 a.m. this yeah. morning to a group chat. Yeah, no, I think it's more about Andy Reid and Patrick Bones are on the same page. They know exactly what they needed. I'll never forget a conversation I had with Chris Conley uh, years ago and him describing Andy Reid's offense and that it was a living, breathing thing that had an answer for anything that they would face. And that was the beauty in the way that Andy Reid put something together is that they would never face a defense or a predicament that there wasn't an answer for. And so I think that Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes are akin mentally to exactly what's going on. And I think the rub could be when the other people in the room that have to function the offense aren't up to snuff. How do you best go forward from that when they're both on the same page of the way, the way that it should work is how do you deviate from doing what you know is a foolproof plan to have an answer for everything? It's like, if they can't do it, how do we function the best while deviating from just, you know, a square peg in a round hole? These guys just aren't going to get maybe there's the rub. But again, I think that they are on the same page that they are wired the same way. Um, that it's about how do you, again, how do you best combat fixing? everybody else not being able to function is it just keep drilling it into them until they get it or consolidate and that's where i bring up earlier when we were talking like chase daniel um on the breakdown with matt hamilton um on our youtube channel talking about how chase knows these plays and knows this playbook and this is some very basic stuff that they're running now they're not doing that because patrick mahomes doesn't remember how to run a complex or some different offenses they're doing it because nobody else does and we know travis kelsey knows what he's doing uh so it's everybody else that they're kind of dumbing it down for it seems like at least according to some of the plays that chase is breaking down so 
It's my long-winded answer, if that makes sense. No, no, that's perfect. I I knew that you would have like a different insight because being around those guys a little bit more of just like what might just something there because that's a, a theory that popped into my head when I started thinking about it, and then like I went like thinking deeper. Aaron Rodgers had Mike McCarthy and they won a Super Bowl, but then that flamed yeah. out real quick and they had to make changes because the two couldn't coexist. And just the more I thought about it, just you don't see a lot of offensive minded head coaches paired long term with the you know, greatest quarterbacks of all time outside of Joe Montana and Bill Walsh. Like that was like the one major exception. Just everybody yeah. else was just more defensive. And I just said, you know, he would throw it out there for you because I knew you'd have a little bit different think, take on it given. And the other thing is Andy Reid has had so much success throughout his career with really good quarterbacks and quarterbacks that weren't all that great. Um, he, you yeah. know, going back to Philly with some of the guys that he, Kevin Cole, and some of those guys that he had some success with uh, weren't the most talented. So he can adapt his offense to the guys who are around him. And maybe earlier in his career, he'd feel a little bit more trying to prove himself. I think at this point, Andy Reid's career, he doesn't need to do that. Patrick Mahomes is going to be his quarterback as long as he wants to continue coaching in the National Football League. And so what's yeah. the point of butting heads? Try to get the most out of him. Anyone who's ever been around Andy Reid that talks about the way that he works raves about his ability to work with different people and adapt things to them and fit an offense to them or get them on the same page, which is why it's so interesting that we're seeing one particular position group not really develop. And that doesn't mean that Patrick Mahomes hasn't made mistakes. A lot of people take it that way when you talk like that. Patrick Mahomes is not the problem here (laughs) when talking about this. Yes, he could play better, but there are much deeper issues uh, with what's going on with this team. And again, that's why I bring up this offseason and the moves that are made and the accountability that everybody's demanding right now isn't going to happen right now. But if you wait and stay patient, you'll see it play out over time. It's kind of like free agency in the draft and how they the roster over the course of an offseason. We're watching a game plan play out in slow motion. It doesn't happen overnight. Wait till the totality of everything happens before you make a judgment on what the roster looks like going into training camp. Nope. But I will. I, I, nope. Sorry, I'm on a roll. I, I would say this: if, if somehow Patrick Mahomes can will this offense, this is very much like Le- LeBron in Cleveland winning a fucking NBA championship <laughs> with a bunch of just random dudes. Like this is yeah. the. I think maybe I'm obviously joking here, but maybe this is Brett Veach and Andy Reid's chance just to be like, can he get it done with this group? Like, can he will these guys uh, to there in a rebuilding year? They're still going to end up winning the division. They're still going to end up with a three seed at rock bottom of the Mahomes era. I I know people don't like to hear it because they're frustrated, but the perspective matters. And if you if that goes in one ear and out another, you're showing your age as a Chiefs fan. I'm sorry, but you are. Because those of us old enough to remember the other side of things aren't going to complain about a three seed or a four seed being rock bottom. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that that, no, that's all... That's all a great point about the whole thing, like looking at the perspective. And I think like the final cap there too, is like, this isn't a question. We've, we've got all these questions and we got 21 ish questions there for you guys. Like at the end of the day, like if this Chiefs team goes into the playoffs, which they should at this point, like the odds say they're going to go into the playoffs, everything resets. Like, yeah, they're not having the best seed. Yeah. They might have to go on the road and yeah, the team hasn't looked as good as you hoped going into it, but man, they go into it and they have any level of success in the playoffs with this team, the way we've seen it. That means a lot. And like for that being rock bottom, for that being the bottom out of this team, that would be incredibly impressive. And so it's like, hey, let's see what it looks like when we get there. Because it wasn't that long ago that we would be stoked for the Chiefs to get to win the AFC West and have a chance to win a wild card game in the playoffs, to have a chance to go play in the divisional round. And like now we just completely take it for granted. I get that it's frustrating to watch the team some, but like 
But you got to remember where we were. I mean, just, you know, not that long ago. Not that long ago. They've lost one game by more than one possession. Like, they're not getting blown out, and they have given up 17 points per game to playoff teams this year. They're going to be in it. It's just excruciating to watch because of the expectations. That's why expectations are a funny thing. Uh, you expect the offense to perform at a certain level. When we don't, you just get mad, forgetting the fact that they're losing. Yes, they are losing. It's not fun to watch, but it's not like they're getting blown out. They don't have chances. It's still one or two plays that are making the difference. I just think they can't overcome the turnovers at this point. They need to win the turnover battle and get some easier points, especially looking towards the playoffs. That's going to be a key for this team uh, that they can't they can't lose the turnover battle and expect to beat any team in the playoffs. That's just kind of where it's at. Nope, I, I agree. So I, I think right. we've got this wrapped up. An hour. We win an hour, Maddie. Uh, I I can't help it. I'm going to do 21 questions. This happens. I think it's a me problem. I, I, I'm i just getting all my takes out because I don't do as much podcasting. I've just my third show this week. It's a record for me this year. Uh, <laughs> I've been saving up all these takes all season. Uh, but we appreciate everybody for hanging out, whether you're watching on YouTube or watching, listening to the podcast afterwards. We appreciate you. Hope you all had a great Christmas. We'll have more content getting you ready for Chiefs and Bengals on New Year's Eve. I uh, appreciate you for staying with us. Appreciate your support of KCSN. Maddie, do you have any final take before we say goodbye to everyone? I I don't. I, I, I need a good Chiefs game, though. I will say that New Year's Eve. Like I didn't get it for Christmas. Like Let's just get a good Chiefs game on Christmas Eve, and we can forget all this. We can move on and all be happy. It's like, you know, fingers crossed. Let's, let's get a good one. Let's please. I'll be out there with the whole fam. And I are going out there for the last home game. So, uh, well, except for the playoff game. But my whole fam will be out there. So if you're around, you're going to be at the Chiefs game. You see us walking around. Please come say hi. Uh, appreciate it. It's always fun to, to talk with everybody and all the people who are supporting what we've got going on and helping us support all of our families and everybody who's involved with KCSN. So we appreciate all of you. And uh, we'll see you on the next show. Bye-bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.